Our opening words this morning are offered by Lynn Cox, entitled Invitation to Join the Journey. Come, you accidental pilgrims, you who find yourself on a journey of wonder and surprise. Come, you who emerge into this place as an act of liberation. Come, you who seek a life of mindfulness and a place to test your thoughts. Come, you who seek courage and you who have more courage than you realize. Come, you who have been waiting, poised for transformation. We begin our story again. We gather as a people of all ages, of different abilities, different backgrounds, and different perspectives. We share a covenant, a direction for our shared journey, and a commitment to encourage and challenge one another to spiritual growth. This path will ask much of us. Let us move forward with love. Let us move forward with appreciation for one another. Let us move forward knowing that we are not alone. Whoever you are, whatever your gifts, you are welcome to join on this journey. Come and let us worship together. Instead of telling you a regular story today, I want to tell you about my grandmothers and the lessons that they taught me, the legacy that they left to me. I'm really fortunate that I got to know many of my grandmothers and that they were all women who sewed. And so the lessons and the stories that they've left me are sort of represented by these three blankets that I've brought today. The first one, this crazy quilt, was originally made by my great-grandmother Agnes. Now, great-grandma Agnes worked as a seamstress in a department store, except for a short break that she took during World War II to make airplanes. And because she worked at the department store, she got to bring home the scrap fabric or the materials that weren't wanted, and she made useful quilts out of them. Now, this particular quilt was made with fabric that most in the family agreed was very garish. But great-grandma Agnes didn't care about things like that. She cared about how useful it was. As a thrifty survivor of the Great Depression that she was, it was important that you make good use of all of it. And so I have made use of this quilt. And when it has gotten holes, which it has, I've patched it with fabric scraps from my life, which I think great-grandma Agnes would approve of. The lesson that I learned from her was it's not all about appearances, it's how useful a thing can be. And then there's this, this little crocheted lap afghan. This was made by my great-grandma Ethel. Now, I remember great-grandma Ethel as being pretty strict and having strong opinions about idle hands. And so I imagine that this sort of blanket was part of how she never had idle hands. Now, I received this blanket through her daughter, my grandma Gloria, who recently gave it to me. And I said, well, grandma, this is so nice. Are you sure you want to part with it? And she said, oh, you think it's nice? Well, actually, there are two mistakes in it. 
My grandma Gloria worked as an interior designer and she made custom upholstery and curtain work for her clients. She also sewed a lot of clothing, but you would never know that it was homemade. She had a great attention to detail and could not abide a mistake. The lessons that I've received from my great-grandma Ethel and my grandma Gloria are about idle hands and attention to detail, although I may have fallen far from that particular tree. I'm okay with mistakes. And that brings me to this blanket, which was knit for me for my wedding by my grandma Pat. Now, grandma Pat, she loved to knit and embroider and sew, but she wasn't well known for the durability of what she made. She did it because she enjoyed it. When I was a little girl, she taught me how to embroider and she proudly displayed all of the poor quality gifts that I made for her all over her house. She was the only one who did display what I made. <laughs> and the lesson that I have received from my grandma Pat and through my mother as well is do what you enjoy and don't be afraid to try. The results will be fine. So I have been connected to my grandmothers through these threads. And I carry these lessons now into my own life. Our first reading for today is offered by Leslie Takahashi. Walk the maze within your heart. Guide your steps into its questioning curves. This labyrinth is a puzzle leading you deeper into your own truths. Listen in the twists and turns. Listen in the openness within all searching. Listen. A wisdom within you calls to a wisdom beyond you. And in that dialogue, lies peace. Our second reading is Remember by Joy Harjo. Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the stars' stories. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn that is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away of night. Remember your birth, how your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father. He is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are, red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth, we are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life who all have their tribes, their families, their histories too. Talk to them, listen to them. They are a live poem. Remember the wind, remember her voice. She knows the origin of the universe. Remember you are all people 
and all people are you. Remember, you are this universe, and this universe is you. Remember, all is in motion, is growing, is you. Remember, language comes from this. Remember, the dance language is that life is. Remember. of Karen, granddaughter of Catherine and Bernice, great-granddaughter of Holda, and Marie, and Maria, and Lily. Like Sarah today, as we mark International Women's Day, I am also remembering the women who influenced my life and who gave me life. In some cultures, telling you my lineage would tell you something about me. In our culture, the names of my grandmothers might not tell you very much, although you might notice from the names Holda and Maria, my Scandinavian and Italian heritage. Where we come from certainly informs who we are. Earlier we sang, we are our grandmother's prayers, we are our grandfather's dreamings, we are the breath of our ancestors, we are the spirit of God. The ancestors who gave us breath also passed on their prayers and dreams, perhaps their skills and abilities, their knowledge, and if we are lucky, maybe their wisdom. In addition to our personal ancestors, we also have spiritual ancestors. You may have your own spiritual ancestors. In our Unitarian Universalist tradition, one of the ways that we express our heritage is through the six sources of our living tradition. The sources are codified in the bylaws of the Unitarian Universalist Association, the document that governs how we are together as an association of congregations. We are a non-creedal faith, which means that we don't tell people what to believe and we don't require that people belong. Our association is the same. The UUA office in Boston doesn't tell congregations what to believe, and it doesn't require that congregations belong. When a congregation becomes a member of the UUA, as OUUC did many years ago, we enter into covenant about how we will be together. We are a covenantal faith, not a creedal faith. We call ours a living tradition because it is not set in stone. It is evolving and changing as we learn and grow, as individuals and as a faith tradition. Our tradition moves with the rhythm of life, 
And that is the heartbeat of change. Our first source says that the member congregations affirm and promote direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces that create an uphold life. I spoke about this source a few weeks ago in my sermon about shared ministry. In our tradition, which has deep roots in the Protestant Reformation, we affirm that each person can experience a connection to the divine directly, connecting to something greater than ourselves. This is a challenge to the idea that it requires a member of the priestly class to act as a mediator between us and the divine. The other five sources of our living tradition speak more directly to our spiritual ancestors, and the second source leads right there. It says that we affirm and promote the words and deeds of prophetic people which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. This source draws on our religious traditions and our history as a people. In our Unitarian tradition, we often draw on the words and deeds of ancestors like William Ellery Channing and Henry David Thoreau, Margaret Fuller and Sophia Lyon Fawes. But our ancestors are varied, from Isaac Newton to Kurt Vonnegut, from Charles Dickens to Beatrix Potter, from Louisa May Alcott to Robert Fulgham, from Thomas Jefferson to Dorothea Dix, from Pete Seeger to Issei Barnwell, whose music we sang in We Are. And if you want more information about these folks, I've put links in the text in my online sermon. Each of our ancestors called on their beliefs and values to put their faith into action, working for what they defined as justice based in love. Their work called out poverty and oppression of those on the margins. They used words and humor and stories and music to convey their message. They covered a range of identities and yet we still work to understand and acknowledge their humanity. They were not perfect and we cannot expect them to be. Our job is to understand our history, the history of their work, and the consequences for our time. Our Unitarian and Universalist history is under examination right now regarding racism and how our existence in a culture of white supremacy has influenced how we live out our principles and values. So William Ellery Channing is an example of a renowned Unitarian minister who was hesitant to speak out against slavery in his time because he knew that many of the wealthy parishioners in his congregation made their living from the enslavement of black people. It took a conversation with writer Lydia Maria Child 
for Channing to be brave enough to speak out against that which he already knew was wrong. There were Unitarians and Universalists that were working against slavery at that time and supporting the Underground Railroad. And yet the call to power was strong in individuals and in our denominational institutions. The story of the struggles and dynamics about race in our spiritual history have been researched and told by people of color, people like the Reverend Leslie Takahashi and Reverend Mark Morrison-Reed. Some of you participated in the book study last fall of Morrison-Reed's book, Darkening the Doorways, Black Trailblazers and Missed Opportunities in Unitarian Universalism. White UUs are just beginning to understand how we have been affected by a long history of racism, the opportunities we have missed, and how we can recover the integrity of our values and beliefs. This second source used to read the words and deeds of prophetic men and women. The prophets of our time brought a message that the gender binary is false and doesn't reflect the lived experience of so many people. And so in our General Assembly in 2018, using our democratic process, the delegates representing UU congregations voted to change the language from prophetic men and women to prophetic people. This is our living tradition. It changes as we understand more, and it will continue to do so. Our third source and our sixth source speak to different faith traditions. They say that we affirm and promote wisdom from the world's religions which inspire us in our ethical and spiritual life and spiritual teachings of earth-centered traditions which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. As Unitarian Universalists, we make an effort to learn about the world's religions, including the indigenous traditions, seeking to find common ground and to understand the differences. For example, today in our religious education classes, the young people are learning about the Hindu festival of Holi, which heralds the arrival of spring and is celebrated with traditional foods and the liberal throwing about of colored powders, which they won't be doing in the back, in the back classrooms. But one of the requests from parents always, and when I met with parents last month, was that their young ones have an understanding of the world's religions. And often in Unitarian congregations, world religion is an offering of the adult education program. You might have noticed that in our worship services, we use readings from sacred texts of other traditions, as well as secular readings. We have many sacred texts. Our definition of sacred is quite broad, which is both a blessing and a challenge. The blessing is inclusion and welcome. The challenge is respecting and understanding traditions that are not necessarily ours per se. 
when we have not been raised in a particular tradition or experienced it deeply, we are not steeped in the culture and traditions in which they are embedded. And no spiritual tradition can be fully understood outside of the environment in which it was formed and is practiced. So that poses a challenge to those of us who want to honor all traditions. How do we honor cultures and traditions without taking them for our own use, without permission? For those of us who are of white European descent, we are challenged to know and understand the impact of colonialism and racism. What does it mean for a white congregation to sing spirituals from the black church tradition? What does it mean for a white congregation to use ritual from native traditions? Our typical practice is to ask someone of a particular culture to teach about their tradition and offer any rituals. And when we don't do this, our values call us to deep discernment about the implications of our actions, both historical and current, with the hope that faithful reflection will inform our decisions. As a living tradition, we are not given many answers. We have lots of questions. Rather, we are offered guidance based on our history as we are called to ask those questions that inform our present and our future. Our fourth source says that we use Jewish and Christian teachings which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. Our Unitarian and Universalist traditions are rooted in Protestant Christianity, which of course grew out of Jesus' experience as a Jew in the ancient Middle East. Our spiritual lineage goes back to ancient times, and we draw on the Jewish and Christian Bibles as our sacred texts. And although most Unitarian Universalist congregations don't identify as Christian so much anymore, especially here in the West, how we are organized, how we gather, and how we worship is very much molded by this history. What we do on Sunday morning, and that it is even Sunday morning that we gather rather than another day of the week, this comes from our heritage and would not be out of line in any mainstream Protestant tradition. What we say might be a bit of a challenge, but what we do might look very familiar to many folks who worship. Our living tradition shows up here in the ways that we interpret our history through the lens of these times. So I did this last week when I spoke about the Christian season of Lent as a time for emptying ourselves in order to receive what is yet to come. I offered a current and I hope relevant interpretation of this ancient ritual of Lent, bringing its historical meaning into current times. Our fifth source and the final one for today offers that we affirm and promote humanist teachings which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the result of science 
and warn us against the idolatries of the mind and spirit. One of the strengths of our faith tradition is that we assert a healthy connection between religion and science. We don't see them as incompatible or in conflict. If you pay attention to the news at all, you know that this connection between science and religion is a hot topic right now. And there are scientists and science that are under siege. There are scholarly papers and some not so scholarly writings about why science and religion don't mix, continuing a debate that has been going on for millennia. This is a rich topic and it deserves a sermon all of its own one of these days. Humanism is one of the formative movements in the Unitarian tradition from the 20th century and was the foundation of many of the small lay-led fellowships established in the Western US in the 1940s and 50s. The Unitarian Fellowship of Olympia was one of those. Today, there are UU congregations that identify with this movement in a way that is reflected in their name such as the Washington Ethical Society in the other Washington, Washington, D.C. In our UUA, you will find humanist fellowships located in the West and ethical societies located in the East within our association, all with deep roots in the humanist movement. There are many areas of overlap between Unitarian Universalists and humanists, and some UUs identify as humanists. They affirm the inherent worth and dignity of all people and value science. They affirm the use of reason and free will, working for justice and care for the earth. Humanists see religion as a human creation, not created by God. Many people ascribe to humanist beliefs, sometimes without knowing where they come from, and many faith traditions call on humanist teachings. Our tradition's connection of religion and science also has a history that is important to understand. It informs the part of the source that speaks to warnings against idolatry or extreme worship of an idea like science. One example from our complex history is Clarence Skinner, a UU minister after whom our publishing company, Skinner House Publishing, is named. Skinner was a universalist minister in the early 20th century who worked hard to promote the marriage of science and religion. And he, like others, saw the new science of eugenics as the salvation of our species, offering a way for planned evolution to produce smarter and stronger babies, creating a smarter and stronger human race. Eugenics is a way to manage human reproduction in order to produce offspring with desirable traits. And while this may not sound like a necessarily bad thing, its application was shot through with racism and classism, stereotypes and oppression. America was the leader in the eugenics movement and some of our faith leaders were that movement's leaders. 
and later the Nazi party looked to the United States for how to treat racial minorities and used eugenics as the scientific basis for the Holocaust. Our living tradition calls on us to use science and reason, but also tempered with justice and compassion. From this example, we learn that science alone is not enough. We are always called to listen to the voices on the margins and to use the lens of justice making, looking back and looking forward. Earlier, Barbara sang beautifully about making peace with our past, looking at honest full in the face and embracing it with forgiveness. Our ancestors, both personal and spiritual, are human and we're human just as we are. Our work is to understand our history, to bring it into the present to make amends as needed so that we may have a better future for all of us. Knowing our history isn't enough. Wisdom requires that we know our full history, all of it, especially the parts that are hidden and have been buried. Wisdom requires that we digest the history, understanding it in the context in which it happened and examining it in the context of today. And wisdom requires that we be open to reinterpretation as we learn and grow with hope that we build a better future based on the wisdom we have gleaned from our past. The section of the UUA bylaws that contains the six sources ends with this. Grateful for the religious pluralism which enriches and ennobles our faith, we are inspired to deepen our understanding and expand our vision. As free congregations, we enter into this covenant, promising to one another our mutual trust and support. Our living tradition is a journey, and we are on this journey together. Whoever you are, whatever your gifts, you are welcome to join in this journey. Issei Barnwell reminded us that we are seekers of truth and keepers of faith. We are makers of peace and the wisdom of ages. May we remember who we are and may we sing to the universe who we are. May this indeed be so.